Good morning, everyone. It is not necessarily the morning when you're watching this video, so I do not know why I started with a good morning. It could be good afternoon, could be evening, could be whatever you want. Anyway, starting with some waffle because this podcast is called Pass the Syrup. We are trying to pour a little syrup on the agency waffle that's floating around. There's a lot of it. I've started the episode with my own batch of waffle. Let's get straight into introducing our fantastic guests for this week. So first up, we have Alex Pelosi Buchanan. Uh, Alex has been in the agency for 12 years. He's currently sales manager at Archer & Co. But much more importantly than that, he started life at an agency in Abergavenny, which is where I used to spend my summers as a kid on the farm, not our farm, on a farm would have been the right way to say that. And so we have that 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 something special in common. Um, Alex, how are you, mate? I'm good, mate. Uh, it's a lovely introduction, but yeah, very, very well. And uh, yeah, uh, you should come up to Abergavenny any more often, mate. The last time you came, you brought the weather with you. <laughs> There's, uh, listen, well, actually, it's sunny outside right now, but yeah, I can see rain clouds in the distance. I'm, I'm actually making an appearance. Uh, speak to Joe. There will be an appearance at some point in the next month or so. Uh, looking forward to it. Normally have a good night out down there as well. Nice bit of food. You do indeed. You do indeed. You do indeed. <laughs> Uh, next up, we've got Michelle Gallagher, the one and only Michelle Gallagher of uh, JDG Estates in Lancashire. Um, EA Masters, number one estate agent in the whole of the UK last year and this year, 2022 and 2023. Absolutely insane. The Manchester City of Estate Agency. Michelle, 22 years experience. We are honoured to have you. How are you, Michelle? Great, thank you. And thank you for asking me. Um, welcome. No, yeah, loving life. Good, good. You know, even the sun's shining up north, which is quite a rarity. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, as I say, yeah, we have got a bit of sun here, but we've had very, very average weather in London the last few days. Typical British summertime. Uh, we take average up north, it's been poor for us. Average would be good for us. Yeah, okay, yeah, context, framing, I like it. Um, lovely to have you with us. Thank and you. then finally, we have Adam Coffin of Coapt which is an estate agency down in Brighton. Uh, Adam is a senior sales consultant, um, five years in the industry. Great to have you on, Adam. How's it going? Pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having me, Ben. Uh, as you've all mentioned weather so far, I will rub it in. Uh, I'm in Brighton. It is sunny. That's what Brighton is. It's glorious down here, as it always is. But <laughs> yeah, delighted to be here. Thanks, Ben. Uh, really looking forward to it. This is such a British start to a podcast. Weather. <laughs> all talking about the weather. How's the weather? Just please send Great icebreaker. <laughs> What a, yeah, amazing. Get into a taxi, get into an Uber, talk about the weather, talk about holiday, sit down for a haircut, talk about the weather. We can't help it, can we, in this country? Good for us. All right, well, um, that's the state agents for you. Good to have you all here. Let's crack on. We're going to start with our regular piece, Sam Offley of Agents Together. Every week he presents a current issue that his mentees are sort of dealing with or they're, they're, they're raising or something they'd like advice on. So, Quick soundbite on Agents Together. It is a charity run by agents for agents, really. It's um, a mentee-mentor charity. So if you uh, think you could benefit from having a mentor, it's a free service. As I said, it's a charity. It's amazing. I'm a mentor. Um, I think some of the guys here are mentors. Um, and not just if you think you could benefit from having a mentor. Maybe you benefit from being a mentor. The best way to learn is teach. And um, I can't recommend it enough. It's really good for the soul. Uh, so reach out to Sam if you'd like to get involved. But without further ado, let's play Sam's clip for you guys and get your feedback. Hello, Pastor Syrup guests. Now, my question to you this week is what advice would you give someone who's struggling with uncertainty? Now, that is a <laughs> that is one of his vaguest um, questions for support we have received so far. <laughs> struggling with uncertainty. Uh, we can take this in a million different directions. So I've got my my notepad here and in huge, just before we get to that, everyone, anyone watching right now, please hit the like, subscribe and get subscribe to the account because um, I'm constantly reminded by people that I don't say that enough. So I'm going to say that as often as I possibly can. If you like Sam Offley, hit like. That's a, that's a huge, that's great. Everyone likes Sam Offley. Okay. Agents are struggling with certainty. Um. Adam, what would your advice be to agents struggling with uncertainty? Yeah, I, I think I'm going to do you a favour here, Ben, and, and sing your own praises because I think the, the, my tagline is you're not alone. You know, there's, there's a lot of agents in the country where on every high street, hundreds on every high street, we're like parasites in Brighton, personally. Um, 
you're not alone. You know, there's always going to be an agent in the same shoes as you. Um, you're looking at this call. There's people here with wealth and wealth of experience, and there's the networks out there. You can go to networking events. You can join events like this. Um, you know, agents together. There's all these fantastic networks and people you can speak to. Get advice. You know, spitball off people. Throw ideas around. You're not going to be the only one having the same doubts or uncertainties as you're feeling. There's going to be someone else who is either in the same shoes as you or has been there before, and they're going to be able to help you. Um, and estate agents. I think sometimes we get a bad rep before you know fierce competition amongst ourselves but actually that's only really the surface there's a lot of agents out there who are willing to share their experience teach others you know take on mentees mentor others um and, and that's the first place i'd start is you know there's going to be an agent somewhere in your local area who's been through what you're going through and it's going to be able to help great advice um gonna have to put up parasites that's yeah wow what starting with a bang <laughs> Wrong yeah straight in yeah, no straight in um <laughs> The oxymoron is describing state agents parasites and in the same sentence saying, but there are plenty out there that will help you. Um, you love it. But you're absolutely right. Um, there are a lot of agents out there. And that means there are a lot of good agents out there willing to help each other. Um, and yeah, the I, I say this almost every podcast. 20 years ago, when I started in the state agency, it's a very different looking climate, culture, um, approach to working with other agents. We would spend... Um, a good chunk of our time hiding the keys from competing agents. Uh, and now it's much more collaborative. It's much more mature. It's much more sensible. It's a more professional industry. Still room to improve. But yeah, great advice, um, Adam. Uh, Michelle, what advice would you offer? Okay, I mean, I'm going to go down the route of definitely talking to others because that's going to make you feel you're not alone. But equally, I also think action is needed. There's far too much talking and actually no just getting the job done. So my advice is going to be, if we're talking certainty in your marketplace, is actually use the tools out there to look at what's selling. Too many agents I know chase after the big stuff, but if in your marketplace it's the smaller stuff that's selling, you really have to focus on what the marketplace is doing. Um, personally, I like a sense of achievement each day. Um, so I work on the theory of a marginal gain of 1%. And I always have a list of things that I can be doing to move forward to my goal. So that means if I've had a day where I've not sold a house or I've not been instructed on how to sell, I can finish my day knowing that I've achieved. And I think that's really good for people's mindset. Yeah, completely agree. Again, great advice. Um, the sense of achievement piece. I, I, I just don't think you can beat a checklist, a, a list of things that I want to get done every day. Um, historically when we've opened up new areas or gone into new areas or 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 maybe new branches although that's not necessarily the structure we operate from right now um it can be a really really uh tough process because that sense of achievement piece doesn't always come in the traditional sense you know a listing or a sale um i mean i say that when you're setting up a new business actually some businesses are low volume and they they do a lot less than one per day so I, yeah I, i'm in complete agreement a checklist the endorphins, the dopamine that releases when you work through that checklist, you get that sense of achievement of having completed what you want to. It's great. Um, data in your market. I mean, that's my absolute love language. Know your market, know the data, remove your bias, which is so, so difficult. We've all got, we're led to this, the bright, shiny stuff. But yeah, work, work the data. Um, Alex, sir, over to you. Big finish, big advice. What you got for us? Um, I think probably the biggest thing at the moment, I think we've, like I said, if we go back to um, you know, the market pre-crash of 2008, um, I don't know the exact figures, but you know, you can say there's twice as many agents on the high street or out there, whether they're self-employed, there are more estate agents than ever before that have set up. So it's a crowded marketplace. And a bit like you said, down in Brighton, Adam, there are tons of agents. And I think it's it's like anything, you've just got to make yourself stand out. And I think we've gone from a market where anyone could sell anything to a market now where houses aren't selling, they are taking longer. So now it's more about, I mean, this is where I think a lot of agents will start to show their true colors. So you've just got to make sure that you're the agent out there that is being that member of the community that is being the one who's got the best marketing, who is actually going above and beyond for their clients. And that will carry you through because if you just do what every other agent's doing in your town, I think you're just setting yourself up to fail. And I think we will see agents close on the high street or even self-employed agents, doesn't matter whether they're on the high street or not, I think we will see agents fail. And that's because they're not willing to adapt to the market. And I think, you know, if you look through the history of a state agency, um, you think of all the things and everything we've been through, we're still on the high street. We're one of the few businesses that are still existing on the high street. You think of all the other industries that have closed up. And I think that it's about adjusting the sales. You know, at the end of the day, the winds have changed, but we just got to adjust the sales 
and just make a plan and just stick to that plan and just yeah dare to be a little bit different and just make sure you keep nailing the basics but like michelle said have a checklist make sure you're doing the basics and the rest will look after itself so um yeah that's my, my advice very nice very good um i just want to highlight one thing you said about being the face in your community which um i wholeheartedly agree with but when there are so many agents out there it it becomes a dogfight for the transaction as opposed to um, a more holistic view about being an integral piece of the community. Um, that I think is just such massive advice. Embed yourself in your community and be what the community needs as opposed to just another parasite who's desperately working um, and, you know, just fighting for a list. I mean, I'm not saying you shouldn't fight for a listing. Of course you do. That's absolutely your job. But um, that, that element of being a part of your community, I think is just a massive, massive piece of advice that people should take away. Um, to expand, well, I think... go on, Alex. Oh, no, I was going to say, because I think that, let's face it, I think, as you said, parasites, pe people that are like estate agents to start with. And I think there's a level of, you know, there's a lot of good, humble agents out there, you know, like self Ben, you know, Michelle, who, you know, are absolutely smashing what they're doing. You know, the likes of Finding Country, John Hanford is so humble about what they do, um, but they're not showy. And there's a lot of agents out there that are very showy, the cars, the watches, the suits um but people don't like us to begin with so you know gloating about that stuff especially during a time where people are struggling for money i just think that that reputation as such that won't carry you through and i think you know by actually getting involved and helping the people in your community in whatever that way may be uh, even if it's just doing market updates i mean like michelle your market updates are fantastic and being that person that people know they can rely on um to keep them up to date on what's happening in the market be that trusted advisor and that will, like I said, again, that's just something that's so, so important, um, you know, within your local market. Yeah. The big, the, the big thing I'm going to say there is you've got to be consistent because it's great saying it's in the community, but there are a lot of estate agents across the UK who, and I'm going to use January as the prime month, January, they go hell for leather. Okay. They're everywhere. They're doing this. They're doing that. You know, they're going to smash it out the park. Come February, run out of steam. And they're back to doing what they're doing, where I never set January as a new year, new start. Every day is a new start. And if you're just consistent every single day in what you do and show up, you will build traction. And yeah, as Tom I mean, Panis called it, it's the attraction agent. Sorry, Michelle, I suppose, who, who said that? Tom Panis. Oh, Tom, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Shall the attraction Tom? agent model. Um, it's something I picked up on about ooh, seven, eight years ago and it always stuck with me. Yeah, I mean, the, so what I just took away from you, as opposed to the attraction agent piece, is it's human nature, this strange thing that new year, new start, new me, I'm going to start dying, I'm going to stop smoking, I'm going to stop drinking. You've set all these crazy goals, and within two weeks, you've dropped them all. Um, anyone who, from a habit formation perspective, I don't know if any of you guys have read this book, Atomic Habits, it's my favorite book, um, James Clear. If you haven't read the book, um, I, I can't recommend it enough. I read it at least once a year. But I also subscribe to his weekly newsletter, which I think is just extraordinarily valuable. And it's a 30 second read. Um, and it's a, a book on habit formation and the appropriate way to set habits and ensure you stick to your habits. And I'm an obsessive around habits um, because everything we, you know, brushing your teeth is a habit. Getting up in the morning at a certain time of day is a habit. Everything, virtually everything we do is habitual and you can form good or bad habits. And I think I, my view is, and this is how we've structured our business over the years, is that you form a business based on great habits. If you have great habits and the results come out the other end. Um, in January, people try and set every great habit they possibly can, and then it falls apart. Whereas we'll try and incrementally, I think you said it earlier on, Michelle, marginal gains, incremental improvements, a little bit here, a little bit there. We use the word refine more than anything else. Um, and I, you know, agent, agent uh, together, the issue around uncertainty. Well, yeah, just... You can be certain that you can improve every day if you want to. You, you have control over that. So that's an element of certainty you can bring into your life. I imagine, uh, this is complete guess, but right now mentees are saying they're uncertain about the housing market and what it's going to do around interest rates, around property prices, around transaction levels. My personal advice with, on all of that would be just forget about it. Don't worry about it. None of that matters. The only thing that matters is the business that you're doing um, and that you're comfortable that you're doing. Um, if transaction volumes drop by twenty percent in your town for a, just as a, as a, as a, as a, as a nothing as a made up scenario, it doesn't have to be twenty percent out of your business or your area. It could be the rest of the market that does twenty percent. If you do great things, if you're the face of your community, if you're delivering the best possible service, greatest marketing, you're doing everything right. The chances are 
you'll retain a position. So I think you can be certain about, so you, you, you can deliver certainty uh, or you can feel uh, in yourself that you're delivering the best you possibly can. That's the element of certainty you want to be. If you do your best, if you go through how you keep going, right? If things, um, whether you've got a good market, a bad market, an un uncertain market, just keep doing the right stuff. Um, bit of a cliche, a few cliches thrown in there. Um, and I'm starting to waffle. So we better get on to the next area of the podcast. Um, okay, great advice, guys. Thank you very much. Let's get on to subject matter number one. Uh, so there was a news piece posted uh, back in the last week or the start of this week in relation to artificial intelligence in a state agency. So I've got some data here. It was a survey completed um, by the development sourcing site uh, Searchland. I think really when we talk about AI <clears throat> in its current context, because it's, it's 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 a buzzword right now, there's a lot going on. You can't get away from it. I think really what people are talking about is generative AI. They They typecast it as all AI. AI has been in existence for an extended period of time. Generative AI, who you know, maybe people are not 100% uh, familiar, is almost sort of content-based idea. So learning to create content, whether that's text, whether it's visuals, whatever it might be. Uh, so some stats from this survey. 13% of the estate agency community that were surveyed believe AI could make their um, work obsolete. Half of people surveyed think AI will improve what we do. Half think it won't. Um, 13% have already uh, adapted and brought AI into their business, which is, is good. Lots of it's around data processing. That's what's referenced in the piece. Uh, but there's a bit of pushback. So 84% of those surveyed believe um, human touch is still needed. There's no way for AI to take over what we do. And 78% believe, believe um, too much tech can be detrimental to the service you offer your consumer. Um, quite interesting. We've, in our own business, we've got reasonably heavily into AI over the last year. But let me throw it out to you guys. Alex, let's kick off with you. What are your thoughts on AI? Um, good thing, bad thing? What's going to happen in the future? What's your prediction? What are your thoughts? What do you believe? Um, I think, that I suppose the best way to look at AI now, it's just the next revolution in a state agency. You know, if we look back to, you know, the days of when we went from analog to digital, when the internet came around, I bet people were having the same conversations then. Have you heard about this thing? Apparently you can send an email. Apparently you can send it and it gets there within within minutes. And I think, you know, we've been through several um, revolutions. You've got, like you said, you've got the internet coming around, the introduction of uh, CRM systems. You've got the likes of Rightmove and property portals coming around and how the consumer consumes data and how they shop for property changed. Um, smartphones, when they came around, being able to run your business from anywhere in the world, um, the rise of social media, um, being able to put your personal brand out there. This is just another thing, that, another part of the journey. And obviously, I think it's like anything, we've just got to choose whether we adapt to it. And I think that completely agree that, you know, you don't want it to fully run <laughs> Or automate your business and i think yeah there's always going to be that human interaction because if someone comes into the showroom or you're on a, an appraisal you know at the end of the day ai doesn't know what kind of characteristics that person it doesn't know if they're a red or a blue you know that's up to us as a human to interact to find out what's going to work for this person i think so there's definitely things ai won't be field replaced but i think it's like anything it could improve your business it could take on those mundane tasks i mean some of the things it can do um, whether that's chat GDP or management tools. I mean, you know, you can ask it to respond to emails. You can use it to ask to frame things a particular way. It'll even do training. You know, there are so many things that AI can do that could benefit the business and save time. So, you know, I think certainly it's something that um, is going to become a, a massive part of many people's businesses. Maybe not now, but I think certainly, you know, it, it's here and it's one of those things that it's going to, it's probably going to be here to stay. I think you're probably right. That's a nice, long, waffly, really good, meaty, <laughs> contextual answer for us, for uh, Adam and Michelle to sink their teeth into. So lovely bit of background. Uh, Adam, what about you? you? Using AI at the moment, had it much to do with? We are. Yeah, we're, we're dabbling. We're, we're, we're sort of really in gradually. And I think the, the important approach we're taking is we're looking at how we can use it before we start doing it. I think, you know, estate agents, as Alex says, we're incredibly versatile. I think as an industry, we, we have to be, um, you know, we lose a lot of data, we lose a lot of tech already. Um, we're an industry that, you know, really had to adapt through COVID. Um, and I think since then agents are really, really adaptable. 
Um, but the important thing is not to let these tools become a buzzword, is to use these tools in the right way. Yeah, you know, there's obviously a point for you don't want to show up at evaluation and be the only agent queued up outside who's not using those buzzwords, not saying that, you know, you've got this tech or that tech. Um, but again, in a market like we've got at the moment, you can't just say you've got it. You've got to show you know how to use it and you can use it in the way, right way. Um, I think that's that's going to be the real priority over the next couple of years. These things are all in development. They're going to be changing a lot. That's the modern world we live in. You know, things are changing at a rapid pace. Um, and the important thing is if you're going to use these tools, use them for your own good, use them for your own advantage or the advantage of your clients, as opposed to using them to show you, you know, you've got this shiny new toy or, or shiny bell and whistle. Um, otherwise, it's all, all, all style and no substance, unfortunately. Yeah, it's, it, it's a good point. There was a, um, a, about six months ago in America, North America, there was an estate agent made, made national news because he um, he pointed out how easy his job had become because he now had AI and what used to take half a day, you could now do in about an hour. And he was bragging about it and he hadn't given any consideration to the fact that the consumer that's, you know, that's employing him to do a job and they, they're expecting a certain amount of work. There was a lot of backlash. You know, estate agents, as Alex pointed out earlier on, we're not the most loved group. Um, it's not the um, occupation that um we're not you you guys know what i'm talking about we're not loved uh and it's the same across the world whilst other agents are licensed in in other in other areas of the world they're licensed they achieve higher fees and there's a a different level of professionalism there's still that general view that estate agents are salespeople and you know you can't really trust them so he had a lot of backlash um which at the time i found quite amusing because i see stuff all the time on social media i'm sure you guys too and you think why is why has the agent said that? Why have they framed it that way? Why have they worded things in that way? That yeah, they're talking to three people are reading that and enjoying it, and the other, the rest are thinking, mm, yeah, who who are you trying to show off to? As you pointed out earlier, Alex, you shouldn't be showing off. You should be phrasing things in a correct way. Um, so yeah, you're absolutely right. Use it in the right way. Um, Michelle, using any AI at the moment? Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, AI has been around for a long time. Google's an early example of AI. Um, but we're using it in, I'm not saying writing our brochures, but certainly improving the way we write our brochures. Um, of course, there's a lot of still personalization, but it gives it a nice structure um, and makes it a little bit more interesting. Um, and it saves the time element there because obviously to make them interesting when you're not employing professional copywriters it does take a sales deck time, but we can get that interesting element from AI but then read through and adapt accordingly to how we want it to be. Um, of course, Facebook marketing, um, a lot of retargeting now is going down the AI route. So a little bit fearful at first as to how it affects my results because I was doing very well, but I have seen improvements through it, so that's good. Um, I've even talked about having an, an AI me um, in terms of responding to chat messages and things. But then I kind of thought I would have to let people know it's the artificial me, not the real me, as I don't want to mislead. Mm -hmm. That's that's something I'm I'm toying with to see can it work without being detrimental, because I'm very much about personalization with clients. Well, there's a um, there's actually a tool that I was looking into, which is um, called uh, Synthesia. I think it's the right. I don't know if that's the right pronunciation, yeah, but it's it is, basically yeah. an, an AI bot of you as a they, they create mm. a bot, and you can send them videos of you, and they will make this video bot of you use your voice. And basically, you could go into ChatGDP and say, "Do me." You could take the local market update stats as you would from wherever house price index, drop them to ChatGDP, get a text send it over to that and it will create an AI video of you. And the other beauty of it is, Ben, you talked said earlier about 40% of London, England is a second language. It will convert it into whatever language you want and it will speak perfect Mandarin if it needs to be. And you can literally just send that to your database and all that can be done in minutes. And it's things like that. Like you said, Michelle, could save time. You can create a lot more content. But like you said, it's making sure that it doesn't take away from the real you because we all know people buy people. And I think that's the, you don't want it to become... The I, mean, kind of lead I, of the... I write a lot of my own blogs, a lot of personal blogs. So I thought rather than trying to transfer those into videos and the time it takes, bearing in mind the level of time I need for market appraisals each week, that would be a, a solution. But equal at the moment, is it a cost-effective solution? Because the cost of doing that is considerably high. So I'm kind of investigating and waiting to see 
other people's examples to see actually do I like it or not. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of agents at the moment playing with is it Remini or Remini, the app? Yeah. Barbie yourself or make yourself into a nurse or a doctor. And I see that as fun for personal social media. But in a business context, not sure. Yeah, I mean, I think there's lots of you could you could lose three months of your life playing with AI. There's so <laughs> much crazy fun stuff out there. And it is. I mean, I'm, maybe I'm a geek, but I, I do find lots of it fun. Um, I also am big on systems and processes. Um, and so I see AI as a really good opportunity to streamline those and and take away some of the, the manual labor tasks that, um, you know, Michelle, you reference sales negotiators having to write copy. And I just in my experience sales negotiators don't enjoy writing copy that's not you know if they're to list off everything they want to do that finds its way quite far down the list it's a necessity or it has been up until now um but there are so many ways we can um we can automate some of you know the hard yards and then do the refining and the cleaning and the improving ourselves so we use um chat gpt quite a bit in our business right now um I think it's probably worth explaining because you guys knew we were going to talk about AI. And so and, and I think you're in tune with what AI is at the moment and what it's become generative AI specifically. Um, for anyone watching right now, ChatGPT is a, um, a tool that will generate content based on everything on the internet up until September 2021. So it's read a lot of the internet up until September 2021. In essence, it's a plagiarism tool. And that sounds like a negative. It's not intended to be a negative. But the risk you have is that you ask a question of ChatGPT, um, please write me a area guide for Chiswick, West London, uh, which is where I'm sitting right now. It will pull information from the internet. If it happens to find a piece on the internet that's completely incorrect, it can still pull that data. So you must check it yourself. You must check the work. Um, but it is great. We use it for our area guides. We use it for um, blog posts. We use it for ideas around podcast episodes. Um, we use it for our social media copy. Um, social media is yeah, it's, an, it's a hungry beast, social media. And so writing the copy for every piece of content you produce. Um, and so we don't necessarily, it doesn't, we don't use it word for word, but something as simple as um, three bullet points, uh, please expand on this, turn it into 80 words, apply emojis, what are the right hashtags to use, that sort of thing. It will take away some of the labor from the research you need to do. Um, still needs to be checked, as I mentioned already, and quite often cleaned up. But the art is um, asking the right questions of the tools. Um, you, uh, we ha we've as we've been using it for probably nearly 12 months now. And it's it's a learning process. And I think the future is learning how to use these tools. I, I remember listening to a podcast and someone said in the early days of using Google, it was almost a skill learning how to use Google. And now we're all Google experts. We can find anything we want. Um, my wife can find any shop in 0.03 seconds on Google. Um, but some other interesting stuff that might be um, people might want to consider. As you've all pointed out, we've all been using AI, not generative AI necessarily, but AI for a long period of time. Google, um, Amazon, the best personal shopper on the planet absolutely feed you with what you want to see the updates to social media algorithms and they're all becoming ai generated content we're seeing ai generated based on our search functionality is interesting but some things that agents could use that might be interesting to have a play around with that i was in a meeting a few months ago and found this stuff blew my mind so there's something called mid journey i'm not sure if you guys have seen it really really cool it's an ai image generator so how does it apply to a state agency well at the moment if you were to take on a listing and the room um, wasn't as fresh as you'd like it to be. It didn't look the part. It, you might send it over to your CGI guys and say, I need some before and after shots. I need to show what the property could be versus what it is right now. Or maybe I want to put some furniture in. It's an empty property and I want to furnish the property. You would use a service for that. Well, Mid Journey can do all that for you. And it is, you, I mean, I know I sound like a geek. I don't even care. It is so amazing what it can produce. Um, you could put a photo of your of a property in and say, describe this property to me, please. It will give you a description. Then you feed that description back in and say, uh, yeah, and provide some tweaks. So, you know, make this property shabby chic. You know, it's amazing what it produces. Very, very cool. And there's an actual genuine way that estate agents could use that in the future. That's called mid, 
Midjourney, one word, Midjourney AI. M-I-D-J-O-U-R-N-E-Y. Very cool. Um, Alex, you've already talked about Synthesia. Um, that's a very cool piece of tech. If you're not confident on video or you want to produce video at scale, um, really, really useful. It will. Uh, you can upload your text and it will produce an avatar. And the avatar, as Alex already pointed out, can read it in a million different levels. A lot of different languages. Um, Wondercraft, which might be one for you, Michelle. Uh, it will turn a blog piece or a news article into a podcast. So it will read it for you. And then it will translate it into a conversational podcast, which is very, very cool when you consider at the moment, my general view around estate agencies, the last five years, the change has been so extreme that we used to just um, list and sell, list and sell, list and sell. Now, there was some quality around how you listed and how you sold and the marketing you did. But so much of what we do is about content production nowadays and staying relevant and staying in your community and being ever present. And if you just look at social media, how many different platforms do you now need to be on if you really want to cover all the bases, as well as your traditional marketing piece? So to be able to press a button that says, here's a blog article that I wrote that I'm very proud of, but I just don't have the time to go to a podcast studio to record it, to send it out. The click of a button, it will turn it into a podcast for you, which is amazing. The last one, though, that I've, I've got to tell everyone about, and this genuinely blew my mind. None of us can get access to it right now because of the um, the size of our businesses, but it's a piece of AI. It's called Poly AI. Um, it's, a, it's a voice assistant. So, you know, you have your chatbots on your website. Someone inquires on your website and the chatbot pops up and says, hi, how can I help you? Well, this is a, a, a telephone version of that. It's a constantly learning and evolving piece of AI tech that... Um, the the voice recording I heard, the conversation I heard, was a genuine conversation between a consumer who was booking a hotel and an AI piece of tech. And it was the most impressive thing I think I've ever listened to because the AI was building rapport with the caller by using their choice of language, picking up on their tone, mirroring them. Um, for, uh, when the call first started, you weren't 100% sure who was the robot. I think they managed to pick a, a, a caller who um, maybe wasn't a confident caller, but it was absolutely amazing. And just like your chatbot that sits on your website, you would go through a huge series of questions and say, if the consumer says this, I would like you to respond in this way. If the consumer says this, please respond in this way. Ask these questions, extract this information, but it's conversational. I Hand on heart, you could not tell that this was a conversation with a piece of tech. It was breathtaking. Now it's only available to large businesses at scale, but in terms of impact on a state agency, applicant registration, seller registration, you can load it with area relevant content. So you could talk, you could upload, uh, you could provide it with recent sales data that it could then have a conversation with, with the caller. Absolutely amazing. Will that impact our business? Not tomorrow. But that is certainly a tool that could be coming down the line that could really, really um, have a, uh, you know, uh, 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 we're very customer centric, touch point heavy. I've historically been quite anti tech. Um, great tech, I think uh, there's a risk around the quality of agency. Um, you know, you mentioned Write Me Valix, um, CRMs get talked about a lot. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of, um, what's the language I'm looking for here, matching, property matching to applicants and just hitting a button and 100 emails get sent out. I think it's great when our guys hit the phone and have that conversation, but I appreciate we are a low volume model and it's slightly different for us. But yeah, that, that that's all really, really interesting stuff that could be coming down the line. And we are, look, we're, we're sort of, I would say stage one of generative AI and how it's going to impact everything that we do. The next five years are going to be really exciting. And I think the great businesses are going to run with it and look at how they can um, allow this, this opportunity to partner with great people who know their stuff, have expertise. I think the world of agency could be could look very different in the next few years. Well, I think in the next couple of months, Ben, I mean, I've heard a rumor that even Microsoft have um, incorporated chat GDP, uh, GPT. So very soon you could be on Microsoft Word, Excel, and it will sit alongside you. And it'll give you the advice. It'll you know, so you can just go to it. Because I'm a bit of a procrastinator when it comes to property descriptions and things like that. For me, it's a godsend because it just starts me off. 
write something amazing and then I can go and tweak it. Save me so long. Same with emails. I struggle sometimes to figure, how can I respond to this email? And I can just literally copy and paste it and say, please respond to this in a positive manner, reassuring the client that the market, et cetera, et cetera. And it just, it's just incredible. I, say, I would never have thought to even have started to respond like that. And we've used it and responded. And the client's emailed back going, thank you so much for being so reassuring. And we did that in minutes, where normally I would probably spend half a day trying to figure out how can I respond to this email. I'm, I'm, you know, so I think it's, it, it is uh, yeah, it's scary. But like I said, I think it'll be a benefit for everybody. And especially between integrated in tools we use every day very soon. Like I said, very quickly, I think people will start to adapt to using it. And I, I think people watching this, agents, absolutely 100% can empathize with your position. An email comes in. It's not even that it's necessarily tricky, but it's, again, it's one of those things that falls down, down the list, not in terms of priority, but in terms of enjoyment. You know, uh, yeah, I've got, I'm going to spend, even if it's 20 to 30 minutes writing the email, with the right prompts, you can create the email in five minutes and it's gone. And you don't need to procrastinate anymore because it's one of those things you can get off your list nice and quick. So I think there's lots and lots of really positive applications um yeah i i think we're off quite an exciting period um but, yeah, um microsoft can I to that please go on michelle because yes i still love it for writing details and everything else but replying to emails i understand where it can help but you are equally got to be able to remember what you've said to a client and if it's not come from your heart or your person when you speak to them one week two weeks three weeks down the line you really have to make sure you've kept that email because if a computer's written it for you, you're going to contradict yourself. So I think it's about I'm how you use it. I think, yeah. Could you, you, could, you, you can, I, I mean, you can, sorry. Go on, Alex. I was going to say, because you could just copy and paste and say, reply to this email. But what you do is chat to GBT will do what you tell it to. So if you tell it, this is how I'd like you to respond. This is the points I'd like you to make. So it's like almost getting your point across and the things you want to say to them. But it just kind of, I suppose, puts them into a, a context that you can just very easily put something together rather than thinking, like, how can I frame? Because I struggle to sometimes get what's out here onto onto paper. So, um, but you're completely right. Yeah, just copy in and ask chapter and just sending it without reading it. It's like a property description. You know, some of the things it will write in there, you you wouldn't put in a property description any day of the week. And they're very American with some of the things they say. So, you, again, it's the same thing as about checking it, acknowledging it, changing it then sending it but yeah, I, I agree Michelle yeah you've got to make sure there's still that personality because it's got to sound like it's come from you because otherwise people think that doesn't sound like Michelle that doesn't sound like Adam it's and, just and for me it's also just knowing what you've said so I, I met a client who I've had a home 18 months ago and I just happened to bump into in home bargains but I remember the conversation that we had because it was my words yeah could just go straight back to it and she said oh my god I can't believe you remember well, actually, it's my job to remember, but I can yeah. remember if it's actually come from me because it's it's my truth. And that's when people ask about what the market's doing. I can always remember what it's doing because it's my truth. It's my research. It's my words. Where if I've asked AI what the market's doing and just sent that, I am a clue. It's the same. We do we do all, we do a lot of auto prospecting letters. The same thing. You get automated letters going out every week, and you know we always say to the team that you need to know what these letters say because a client rings you and says, "Oh hi, you sent me a letter last week," and you don't know what's in the letter. Mm. You, you're stuffed because they it won't. It's signed off by you, and they say, "Oh, in your letter you explained about why I shouldn't reduce my price again. Why is that?" You think, "Oh, God, I don't even know what the letter said." So it's the same thing. You've got to make sure whatever content you're putting out there, whether it's a post on social media, I think you've got to make sure you know what you're talking about because like you said you, you'll end up uh, you're making a noose for yourself i mean yeah. a colleague of my team put it really nicely last week which is some of these tools they need to be used as photoshop for words you're producing the content you're putting the knowledge and your expertise as an agent into it and using these tools to polish your product what you shouldn't be using is the equivalent of generating something completely alien something that's completely computer generated and it's not your knowledge it's not your your skill and again we're sort of gone full circle here and this is where good agents use this tech well because they're using it to polish their own product they're using it to smarten up their their own knowledge and expertise in a presentable manner as opposed to relying on it to do their job for them and that's where good agents will excel using this tech and other agents will it'll be a jail, get out of jail free it will save them a bit of time but actually um, they're going to get tripped over by not being able to follow up or, or answer those questions whether they're then face to face with their client. Totally agree. I mean, if you post on Google Business, you'll realize you've only got so many characters. And my market updates report do not fit into those characters. 
but I've now saved a lot of time because chat GPT, I can say, please condense to X amount of words. And it does that very nicely for me. Quick read through to make sure it's not missed a key point out. And then I can post it. But it's still my word and my language. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I right now, I mean, I don't think it could anyway. It, it, I, there's not, you know, Bard from Google is more up to date, um, which is a Google's version of it. But yeah, I would urge anyone watching this, this is not a silver bullet for not having to produce any content yourself anymore. This is, uh, yeah, as Adam put it, this is polishing up your own work. Um, but exciting for the future, absolutely. Um, let's see how we get on. Let's get on to subject number two, um, because it's eight minutes to 11. <laughs> uh, as I knew it would be. I think I hijacked that AI one now. I'm just quite excited about it. So subject number two, support and well-being in a state agency. Um, it comes in and out of the light. You, you sort of, you, you, we have a period where it's, there's a lot about well-being, there's a lot about mental health, and then it just sort of disappears because, oh, the, the market's doing X, Y, Z, or the market's really busy and the market's really, really positive. And then people are maybe less stressed because the market's really positive. So there was a survey completed, 500 legal firms, conveyances, and agents. My general take on this is it was less agents and more legal firms and conveyances. But they asked a few questions around well-being and how people felt in their work environment. 58% of respondents said they experienced stress as a constant. Three top three reasons is due to volume of workload. It's due to work-life balance or a lack of management support. Um, a lot of people reference that they want a better or more flexible working arrangement. Um, and that's sort of where this news piece stopped. Now we've heard some of this stuff before. Um, I'm gonna ask you guys what you think about what, what does good well-being look like in agency? What could we be doing? What should we be encouraging? One thing before I hand over though is, 58% of respondents experience stress as a constant. I think we just really need to be careful on interpretation of the word stress. We used to run surveys every quarter in our old business, and we had um, 50 to 60 people working in that business, and they were um, questions around health, well-being, interaction, how to make sure we were servicing our team as best we possibly could. And we would have to explain the questions at a high level of detail so there was not an interpretation issue. And I think the word stress allows for a lot of, you know, I've, I've had a tough day and some people might call that stressful. Um, pressure versus stress. Do people see them as the same thing? So I'm not sure whether it's correct that 58% of people experience true stress as a constant, but I do appreciate that we work in a tough industry and a tough business. What do we think guys from a health and wellbeing perspective, Michelle, let's start with you. What are we doing? Well, what could, could we be doing better? Do you think? I mean, we're, we're a small team and I don't have the same pressures that maybe a London estate agent has where your commission, you know, is the bulk of your wage because we're very much a salaried team um, with a bonus for selling a house. Uh, it's always been our setup. But one is just talking to your team. How are you? Um, you tend to find when somebody's actually upset or stressed, it tends to be quite often an outside of work issue. So, for instance, that could be, I've got a club at the moment, her dog's poorly. You know, well, I'm a big, big, big pet fan. You know, I've got my little baby boots. So she's obviously really worried about that. That's not linked to the workplace. It, so it's just making sure, you know, she's okay. Does she need to call the vets? Um, does she need to live home and see a dog? Um, another colleague, you know, his father passed away last year. I've been through it myself. That's a different way of how can we support that person? So... I find a lot of people's stresses or issues quite often are outside the workplace and sometimes just talking, having a coffee in the staff room in private makes them feel better. Um, the number two thing, I can wobble about this one all day, this is my waffling subject, is ban swearing from your office. Because when somebody's swearing because a client's upset them and annoyed, all it does is wind everybody else up. So they get all stressy and it just makes a very atmosphere. You know, just keep it nice, calm, chilled. Doesn't, you know, there's no need to swear just because something's upset you. Um, really do not, not a big fan of swearing at all in the workplace. 
Um, and then the third one is I really don't need know why people have to have your phone number out of hours. Um, I mean, it's about 22 years. On an average year, we'll sell a house a day and not one client has my phone number out of hours. Um, I do all my valuations via WhatsApp and at 5 p.m. that is switched off. And if they WhatsApp me, they will see that my phone is switched off until 8.45 in the morning. So, and none of my team, you know, have, none of my, none of my clients have any of my contact with my colleagues' numbers. At five o'clock, they can go home and enjoy family time. And I think we put too much on, let's do a deal at 10 p.m. and post it on LinkedIn. Oh my God, you know, look at me doing this, look at me doing that. And as you say, it's just, who are you trying to impress? Setting boundaries from the start, isn't it? It's having yeah. that sort of client's expectation from the start. This is when I'm available. Because I think we've all yeah. been there and I've had I've had Sundays ruined, like a family meal. And I, I've been guilty of that, that, you know, the clients message me, you have to ring me, this has gone wrong. And it just dominates your day and you end up upsetting your family around you and actually think it probably could have waited to Monday. Yes, they would have probably been a little bit more annoyed because I didn't respond to them. But, you know, having dealt with it, like I said, it made their situation better, but it made the rest of my day awful because the wife didn't talk to me. I, I have money penny, so at 5 p.m. So our official finish time is 5 p.m. And ideally, I want the team out the door at 5 p.m. That is my ultimate aim every day. But some days things need doing and we have an office policy of if a call's been made and you've, you've got to call them back, you call them back before you go. So my clients might get told I'm on video evaluations, I'm out with clients, should call back before the end of the day. Now the other night I had to make a call at quarter past seven, but that's because actually at half past four, I decided to finish my day, I decided to go to the supermarket, I decided to take an hour's drive home, which took a bit longer because of the motorway traffic. But I knew that call did need making, and I made it. And she was grateful because she went, oh, my God, Michelle, it's quarter past seven. I said, oh, don't worry. I said, John's cooking the tea. Gets me out of that job. Um, you know, so I turned to a positive. But it's just setting those boundaries. So, yeah, one, ask your team how they are. Genuinely be interested. And you'll find that quite often the stress is outside your workplace which makes you feel better as a business owner. Secondly, ban swearing from the office because it just stresses everybody else out. Um, and thirdly, set your boundaries with your clients. Right. You wouldn't want to come to our that. office, Michelle. <laughs> There's right. a lot of swearing that uh, can happen on uh, many a floor. <laughs> so you've probably got people that get stressed, you see. We, it's, yeah, it's no, interesting. I, I'll agree with that one. I think oh, I'm the worst was Communicate like the client was in the room. So... If the client was in the room, you of course you wouldn't swear, but you'd also soften the language. You wouldn't, um, you don't talk negatively or derogatory about um, buyer, seller, anyone that's being interacted with, um, because you maintain professionalism at all times. Um, as it happens, that was in our old business, and we haven't brought that rule over to the new business. So <laughs> that's one for us to look at. Um, and we all know that from time to time you you interact with testing characters. And um, the, the very fact that Michelle's rule is no swearing means we deal with people that occasionally make us want to swear. Uh, so what we used was we would we would describe those individuals when we came off the phone as a character. God, they are a real character. And that would be it. And everyone knows what that means. Everyone understands it. And it's almost, it, it's, it's, okay, I've said it, it's out, I'm done, I'm finished, I'm moving on to the next thing. Um, but yeah, Michelle, my, my major takeaway is just care about your team. If you care yeah. about your team, then... You've that... got to remember, the, the stressy client, why are they stressed? If you've done your valuation properly, you've met that client, you know the true reason why they're moving. And it could be that some of the family's terminally ill. It could be the need to pay university fees. They may have lost a job, they're struggling. But then you know the reason behind them, and it's a lot easier to handle. Because it's not you, it's them. You've just got to make it easier. Yeah, past I mean, experiences. <laughs> also, some people are just very difficult. And actually, I think uh, specifically uh, in the market we operate, we do some our business do some very challenging characters. Um, and it's not about their necessarily their circumstance. It's about their profile. It's about who they are and how they want to behave. Um, but yeah, I, you know, they've got no space in my business. 
because I've got the authority and the valuation, if I find that client difficult at that point and unmanageable, I don't want their business. Yeah, I mean, and I, and I all I would say, Michelle, is when you're running the number one business in the country, you do sit in a position of power, whereas smaller businesses, newer businesses, younger businesses, they're trying to fight their way through and they need to they need to do business. And sometimes they have to accept they're going to work with people that are not their A-star number one client but, profile. But we've always had that way. You know, when I started 22 years ago, we had that way. Because if that client is going to, if you've got a client who's going to be at the traffic lights outside your office and you see them at the crossing and your colleague thinks, oh, just give me two seconds, I need the toilet. And off they vanish. Or, oh my God, it's him. I'm on the phone busy. That client, there's a, there's a problem. And is the problem how you've been dealing with him or her? Or is it them as a character? And if it's them as a character, if you've instructed it, it might need disinstructing. Yeah, I mean, if you ever find yourself hiding from clients, then yeah, I think you've got an issue there. You've We've been struggling with one. Um, that's quite an extreme. <laughs> I don't, I like to. I hope in twenty years we've never had brought a client on that our team have hid from or pretending they're on the phone from. But um, yeah, I take your point, um, Adam. What do you think? Well-being, what's going well? What could maybe be doing better? Yeah, it's inherently tough in this industry, isn't it? Because we're it's a dog eat dog world. You know, lots of agents work on commission. You see, working late, getting extra instructions is, is a higher paycheck for a lot of agents. That's what it means. It is this assumption that if you work hard. You get paid more and a lot of time that's true and for some people that works but i think it's important to take that perspective of what is success for you personally and what is success for your business is it having employees who are hitting all their numbers they're fantastic and then you lose them after six months because they're burnt out they look for a new challenge they move out of the industry um it's one of my favorite catchphrases that and i'm, I'm yet to be proved wrong and please feel free to jump in anyone on this call but I'm, I'm yet to meet anyone who grew up wanting to be an estate agent <laughs> I think it's something people fall into maybe accidentally or, or as a, an initial job and a lower level, you fall in love with it because it's a great industry. It's fast paced. You get to work with cool tech. You know, you, you have to be a specialist in lots of different areas, client management, sales, using technologies, um, handling tough situations and have the drive to go out there and, and put yourself out there and, and, and work hard to get your higher paycheck. And I think it's Sometimes taking that step back and realizing, well, actually, you know, yes, I could earn my business a little bit more next month or this employee is a top performer. Maybe I need to reset the standards. And, you know, it's a business decision. You, you've all mentioned clients who are taking up more time, hard clients who are taking up more time and probably paying the same fee as someone else. Um, and I think sometimes having that bravery to say, yeah, maybe we don't take this instruction. It's lower revenue in the short term, but actually that gives us the time to focus on a better quality of service to those clients we are working with. Um, and I think it's a brave stance, Michelle, and it's obviously very respectable what you've taken up in your, your position. I think it goes to show you've, you've grown to the size of business you have with that approach, so it shows it works. Um, but it's having that bravery. If you're an individual agent and you're in that high-pressure performance, you, you've got KPIs to hit. It's having that bravery to make those decisions and say, you know, what is success for me? Is it taking the home that extra paycheck this month? Or is it actually longer-term success through meaningful relationships, meaningful transactions that are not burning out? Yeah, I mean, really, really... Great points. Um, we say that as well quite a lot, Adam, that no one grows up wanting to be an estate agent um, and no one retires wanting to be... No, I'm just kidding. Um, the uh, Yeah, I, I think what you and Michelle have both said, it, it resonates, I would imagine, with lots of people that are watching this podcast with all four of us. It's about right clients. It's about um, deciding what you want your work life to be. I do wonder, however, though, in relation to the survey whether stats like 58% of people experience stress as a constant and they blame it on workload, work-life balance and lack of management support, whether that's really particularly relevant to good independent agents or whether it comes from a different section of the market, a different segment of the market. Um, I hate the term employees or staff. Just we call ourselves a team. We're, we're the team. We talk about the team, our team. Um, and I, yeah, I don't think any, I, I don't think any of our, our guys would, would, would see that as um, their experience of what a state agency is. But then I walk up and down the high street, or maybe you guys are the same, and you look in at some businesses and people just don't look happy to be there. You know, they look, um, they look drained. They look miserable. They look like they don't, you know, in a sales environment, it should be fun and enjoyable and buzzy and things happening. So I do wonder if what we're talking about, we've got three great business people on the phone, uh, on the phone, on the podcast here that do things in the right way. Um, 
but I do wonder if it's um, other estate agency business oh, profiles that are really yeah. struggling with this. There was a post on Facebook yesterday in one of the groups um, by somebody who works for a large corporate who basically at the monthly manager's meeting gets the hairdryer treatment. Hmm. And basically she'd been brought to tears in front of, I think, 15 other managers. And she's been told, well, that's my style of management, get over it. Hmm. I question, should the area manager actually be an estate agent? And maybe he should look for some a different role that suits him better. Because if that's the way he's obviously stressed and he's passing that on. But, you know, the issue obviously lies with him or the way his manager's talking to him. Yeah, I, I, and I, I think that's really, I would imagine that's the segment of the market that, difficult, that finds it most difficult. Adam, you mentioned about KPIs and hitting numbers. In our smaller independent businesses, I think we have a real focus on on the people that work with us. Um, and Michelle, I think you're probably empathizing, you know, you're describing that particular area manager as stressed. He might just not, he or she might just not be a very nice person. And they've worked their way to the top. They find themselves in a position because they're a very good salesperson, but they burn people on the way through. You know, who who knows? Mm -hmm. um, Alex, you've got three to four minutes <laughs> on well-being. Give us, tell, tell us all the brilliant things you guys do down there because I am a massive fan of Archer & Co. Your, uh, Joe, um, who also has Finding Country, is a fantastic um, estate agent, but an even better human being. So I know you guys smash the well-being piece out of the park. Just tell us about it. Um, I mean, a lot of that's probably got to do with going to the pub after work. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, no, I think, you know, as a team here, like I said, even like the little wins, like on a Friday, you know, we just say, look, everybody come to the office. We'll open a bottle, you know, it, whether it's been a good or bad week, because sometimes you just need that little bit of a decompression before people head out. Because, um, you know, I think and doing things throughout the year, you know, Joe was a big fan of, you know, we've been to the, we go to the races, we have summer parties, and it's like little rewards for that. We go to London, we go to conferences, and it's it's great for, you know, all members of the team, not just the the valuers or the people, you know, we try and get everyone to meet. Obviously, Abby in the office, as you know, one agent's given. You know, sorry, Ben, obviously to bring that up, but obviously the Strictly <laughs> Come Dancing. But, but we, we as a team went down, you know, we went there to support her and, um, you know, it's great to be able to be part of a, a culture. And I think that's that's probably what the, a lot of the difficulties a lot of agents face, especially in the corporate, is the culture. And I'll write some corporate agencies, people thrive in those cultures. But I think there's a lot of people, Michelle, like that lady mentioned, that they just get crushed to the point they don't want to be an agent anymore. And it's sad to see that. And I bet there are so many people that have to go in those meetings. And, you know, I've been there. And, you know, you, you could hit your sales target you've got your listings target, but then they hang you out to drive because you didn't hit your FS target for the week. And you think, yeah, but I, I did really well on all the others. Yeah, but you didn't do well, Al. You just didn't do well enough. You've got to do better. And you're thinking, you know, and that, I just don't think you get the best out of people. Some people you will, but I think overall, I, but I think that, you know, I think overall as agents, I think, you know, we get kind of taught that, you know, we have to be a bit of an emotional punch bag because Michelle, like you said, you don't know what that person's going through. And we've had occasions where people have rung up and they're very frosty on the phone, but it might have been they've just had a really bad experience with another agent or they've been on the phone to other agents trying to book a viewing and they got to us eventually thinking, oh, here we go again, same thing over again. But if you can be that slightly different and speak to them, understand them, they think, well, that was different. And we've had people turn around at the end of the call and say, can I just say thank you so much for being so understanding because all the other agents sounded like they couldn't wait to get us off the phone. So I think it's, again, it just comes down to that, that kind of inner culture, but I do think there's a lot of external things that do affect people. I think the market we've been through, um, I think puts so much pressure in, you know, buyers expectations, multiple viewings, multiple offers. And, you know, I know it grind people down. I think the conveyancing system is grinding people down at the moment because, you know, you can get a property in the market, you can agree a sale, everything's golden, everyone's happy, but then you're kind of handing it over for the next couple of months to, you know, in the trust of solicitors, no matter how much we chase things. I know it's a separate topic. I'm pulling you but... right back in. I'm pulling you in. Yeah, I'm coming you're in. You're about to take us off. You're going you're gonna to kill us with right. this. Right. Well, anyway, I'm not going. It's a separate topic. <laughs> but, but you know, to see people, like I said, we've had, you know, members of the team really upset because the solicitors thrown us under the bus on something that was nothing to do with us. Yeah, our sales progress has had to deal with the fallout from it. And it's, you know, it's really disappointing because then we get to the end of the sale 
and the seller says, oh, I'm not happy with the service I've had, when it's something that's out of control. We had one where the solicitor went home on a Friday rather than doing the simultaneous exchange of completion. And their attitude was, oh, it waits on Monday. But no, everyone had put everything planned for the Friday, but it was our fault because we hadn't chased it. You think, well, no, we didn't. We can't help. They just decided to have go home. And I think, unfortunately, that those things do wind you down and wind me pulling up. You in. I'm pulling you in. I'm pulling you in because you're about to say, well, we've all got that example, by the way. All, yeah. all of us have got that difficult example where someone in a chain has let everybody else down. Uh, but I absolutely want to take your point that there are things out of our control that do impact our mental health. Um, to go back to um, the first point that was made as part of this piece was communicate with your team. And so when things go wrong, leadership, effective communication, pulling people in, talking them through it, making sure they understand that um, you appreciate that it wasn't their issue and, you know, you will help them through it. I think it goes so far. Um, uh, right, I'm conscious. We've got three minutes left. I was going to waffle on there, but we've got three minutes. Michelle, you want to say something? I just, I've my team just replied to me. I don't know if you've noticed, but I've just emailed my team before and they've moved my appointment on 15 minutes for me. Okay. <laughs> now we're gonna, listen, <laughs> Sorry, we're gonna Michelle. This. Okay. Um, this, this happens most weeks. We're going to do best agent or favorite agent or somebody you'd like to shout out a brief why and then your piece of advice your your thing that agents should be doing right now we're going to go um we're going to try and do that each of you in 60 seconds okay alex 60 seconds i'm gonna i'll prompt you uh, the other guys i'm confident will be okay um michelle do you want to kick us off yeah i'm gonna go for my one of my favorites of luke st Clair from knightsbridge estate agents um, he's helped shape my career in both social media, believing in myself, raising my fee, genuinely good guy, gets stuck on something, uh, whatever group I post a problem in, the likelihood if Luke sees it, he's going to reply to me. And if he doesn't know the answer, he'll tend to guide me to somebody who does. So 10 out of 10 to Luke, not just a great estate agent, but kind hearted generous um yeah just a general lovely human being lovely really really nice really nice um your great tip or your, your piece of advice for agents to try and you know help them with the market conditions they might find themselves in right now be be consistent in everything you do so for me i write as i said before I write down my list of things that will give me a sense of achievement each day um, and I'm consistently boring with it and don't try and go for the short win it's always a long game Completely and just be agree. really nice and helpful to people you know all this stuff about serving people we're not here to serve we're here to help yeah nicely put I agree actually yeah serving is a when you phrase it like that is an interesting choice of terminology that so many use. Okay, lovely. That was 60 seconds. Adam, great agent. Why? And then your piece of advice. Yeah, I'm, I'm going with uh, Andrew Wilson uh, of Laybrook's estate agents up in uh, Letchworth, I think it is. Um, Andrew won't have a clue who I am. We've never met. Um, I hope he sees oh, this. I love that. Um, the reason why I'm saying that is because I, I've heard of Andrew through word of mouth um, from a colleague of mine. And that would have been passed down through several different people, no direct business, no direct relationship. Um, and yet the words used to describe Andrew is how I want to be described to other people. Um, I heard of some of him through someone else in the industry and they didn't mention his number of sales, his revenue, his listing numbers or anything like that. They mentioned, they just said, Andrew knows his stuff. And I thought that's how I want to be described when people refer me is he knows his stuff. Um, he was described as a market expert. He goes into valuations and he listens to what people needs. Um, and then he's like a doctor. He prescribes what they need to get the results they've described. Um, he's got the experience and he matches his client's needs with his expertise and gets the results. And I thought that that's how I want to be described when people refer me. So that, that's why I'm giving Andrew the shout out. That's marvellous. Luke and Andrew, that is two great shouts for not in your own businesses. You never even met Andrew. This this podcast is going to introduce you to Andrew. Andrew will reach out to you now. I, I have I, no I, doubt in my mind. Um, and your piece of advice for agents, please. Uh, be confident, back yourself. Um, you know, if, you, if you're a quality agent and you've got the right morals, a tough market is your time to shine. It's been said a few times on this podcast today and in previous episodes, 
a market like this is a time where you get to stand out and you can show your gravy. I think you said last week, Ben, this is what we've been training for. This is what we've been preparing for as, as good agents. And if anything, in a tougher market, it's easier to excel as a good agent. When it's easy to sell properties and it, and it become, you know, everything goes for above the asking price. Any agent with a cheap haircut, myself included, and a, and a, and a decent suit can walk in and, and sell a property. Um, in a tougher market, you know, the cream rises to the surface. Is that the right phrase? I think it is. Cream rises to the surface. I'm going with it. Um, and this is your chance, chance to shine. If you believe in what you do and, and keep at it, as, as Michelle says as well, confidence in what you do, as long as you know you're, you're sticking to the right things and ticking the right boxes, you'll succeed. Good man. Lovely. Lovely. All right, Alex, we're over to you for the big finish. 60 um, second countdown. I'm, I'm, I'm legitimately timing you. Um, well, well, who's I've your got, agent? Well, I've got two. I'm going to start with one, <laughs> first and foremost. Of course uh, you've got two. Carrie, uh, who I work alongside in CHEP. So um, I want to give a big shout out to her because she's been agent for 34 years, which I think is as long as I've been alive, but she hates it when I bring that up. Um, but basically, she joined us um, and didn't believe that she'd be able to get the fees that we charge. She said that's just not going to work in the area she was going to cover, didn't want to do video. And it just goes to show if you do push yourself and she smashed all that. And now she's getting some of the best fees in the company. So I wanted to give a shout out to her because just goes to show stepping out of your comfort zone is important. And also, she's going to taught me that property is 90% people and 10% houses. And she's very good at building those relationships and bonds. And that's what's really important. So shout out to Kerry. Lovely. Second shout out is actually to someone on this panel, uh, which is Miss Michelle Gallagher, because Michelle back in lockdown, uh, you showed me how to do virtual valuations. And I got to say it transformed our business because we were the only agent in our area doing anything remotely like it. And you know, I've got a big thank to you because if it wasn't for that, we wouldn't have come out of lockdown with 20, 30 listings ready to hit the market. So massive thank, a shout out to you for, for introducing us to that. Right. Cringe factor over. Michelle, I love you. Um, <laughs> very nice of you to say that, Alex. Michelle is the go-to gold standard of agents. Uh, She's the best in the UK. The shout the best out to Carrie is really nice as well. Coachability, Carrie, brilliant. Well done. What's your piece of advice? And then we're going to wrap up. Um, I think, again, just, just coming back to that, just remember that it's 90% people and, you know, have those conversations, give people the time of day. Now the market's quieter. We've got more time to have better conversations with people. So it's no longer having to jump from call to call, take a time. And like I said, try and, as Michelle said earlier, understand why people are doing what they're doing, get to know their why and build that rapport. And um, yeah, that'll give you all the rewards you need. Lovely. What a beautiful finish, Alex. Articulated that so well, so nicely. Um, so we have reached the end. Four minutes we overran by. Um, I blame it all on Alex, but that's okay. I think I was you, probably... You, 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 can, you can cut a load of that out, but uh, I'm the sure you'll find lots to cut out. No, I, no, we don't have a time frame for the amount of... Uh, the length of the video. It's more Michelle's had to reschedule her appointment. Um, so thank you, guys. The three of you have been brilliant. Hopefully some great advice for agents, um, some really interesting content. And we're going to hand over now to Chris Watkin for his weekly Watkins Whimsy. So it's just left for us to say goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Well, best of all. Thank you. Statements get judged. Questions get answered. Remember that when you're on your next valuation. <laughs>